Welcome to Brief Encounters. This episode is brought to you in part by the Clio Cloud Conference, the number one conference for attorneys and legal professionals. The legal industry is changing. Stay ahead of the curve with practical insights and new ideas from industry experts, only at the Clio Cloud Conference. Join virtually from October 26th through 29th. DC Bar members save 60% off their pass with the code DC Bar Member at checkout. That's DC hyphen bar hyphen member to claim your $79 pass. Hello and welcome to Making a Difference, Inspirational Women Leaders in Environmental and Energy Law and Policy, a podcast sponsored by the DC Bar and the Women's Bar Association of DC. I'm Catherine Caballero of the DC Bar Steering Committee for Environment, Energy, and Natural Resources. I'm Kathy Pagano with the board of the Women's Bar Association of DC. And just so you know, comments you hear today are views of the individuals and not on behalf of a government agency. We're excited to begin today's podcast. Today, our guest is Tanya Trujillo, Assistant Secretary for Water and Science at the U.S. Department of the Interior. Tanya most recently worked as a project director with the Colorado River Sustainability Campaign. She has also served as the executive director of the Colorado River Board of California, as senior counsel to the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee, and as counselor to the Assistant Secretary for Water and Science at Interior, a native New Mexican, Tanya attended Stanford University and the University of Iowa College of Law. Today, we'll hear about Tanya's critical programs at Interior and about her exceptional career path, all of which focus on her passion, interdisciplinary collaboration to address our nation's toughest natural resource challenges, including climate change. For those interested in this field of law and policy, we'll be asking Tanya for tips to help with your career path. Welcome, Tanya. Tanya, we're excited to discuss your work leading two key Interior Department organizations, the Bureau of Reclamation and the U.S. Geological Survey. The work of the Bureau of Reclamation is crucial to address worsening drought conditions in the West through many ongoing efforts, such as identifying and dispersing emergency funding to affected communities and sectors. It's the federal water manager for 31 million people and for one out of five Western farmers. Following your confirmation, you hit the ground running. We understand that this summer, you went on a week-long tour of listening sessions, field visits, and meetings with Colorado water managers, interagency partners, and stakeholders across the state, and that you also met with tribes in New Mexico. You toured key sites and water projects to discuss drought, and other water challenges across the upper Colorado basin. Could you please share with us how this collaborative approach and what you learned through your listening sessions informs your work to address the Western water crisis? Thank you, Kathy. Hi, and thank you, Catherine, as well for the introduction. It's great to be here with you and to be part of this program. I. Again, I'm Tanya Trujillo. I'm the Assistant Secretary for Water and Science at the Department of the Interior. And before I dive into your tough question, I wanted to just maybe give a little bit of background about what I am working on at the Department of the Interior, which is I am one of four Assistant Secretary positions, and we uh, work very much as a team The two bureaus that I work most closely with are the Bureau of Reclamation and the U.S. Geological Survey. And I have been on the team at Interior since 
January 20th. So I'm part of the new Biden-Harris administration team, working closely with our secretary, Deb Holland, who I might note is also a New Mexican. And so just happy to say the initial greetings there and look forward to jumping to your question, which again, you hit the nail on the head with respect to one, one of the toughest situations that we're faced with right now, which is the literally unprecedented drought circumstances in many places across the West. Unfortunately, we are facing a situation where it's not just centered in one particular state or one particular location. It's going on everywhere at the same time. And it's uh, frankly challenging to, to be able to manage a lot of things at the same time, but we have a great team at the Bureau of Reclamation and with the other partners in other federal agencies to try to think through how to work on meeting emergency situations and, and addressing critical water shortage situations as they are evolving, but also looking forward in a, in a longer term context to build some of the resiliency programs. And I know you mentioned the fact that I, I was on the road in Colorado uh, a few weeks ago and was able to meet with a, a really broad variety of interests from farming communities to power managers to uh, the state, the governor, I should have mentioned him first, sorry. The governor uh, participated with our secretary and, and myself in a listening session that included a wide variety of folks from throughout the state. And I know within the state of Colorado, they've continued to, to work through some of those dialogues as well. But I have had similar conversations in New Mexico. I've done not in-person meetings, but, but telephone meetings with folks in Arizona. We're working very closely with our partners in Oregon and California and in difficult areas like the Klamath Basin, just to reinforce the need to have close coordination with the, the non-federal partners on the ground, but also we're working very closely with our other federal agencies to try to make sure we can provide as much uh, relief and, and be as responsive as possible as, as we continue to get through the rest of these hot, dry summer months that we are anticipating continuing to see. It's so interesting to hear how you're addressing these challenges, Tanya, and what actions are taken by your office to help those in need of water, whether they be farmers, tribes, local communities. Um, those are tough issues, and we know you guys are doing a lot. Thank you, Kelly. That's a great follow-up question, and I can be more specific for sure. You know, being a federal agency, we have specific authorities that we have to follow. And I, I should have mentioned this from the start. I'm a water lawyer by trade. So I definitely always look back to the, the statutes that Congress has passed to make sure that uh, we have the authority to, to undertake the programs that we're working on. So that helps shape what, what type of relief each individual agency may be able to provide is what the guidance and in, in direction that we've gotten from Congress. But then also on the, not only the authorizing side, but on the appropriating side, we have to rely on Congress for appropriating funding for us so that we can continue to provide those kind of 
drought relief measures. And there are a couple of things that are going on right now that are very timely. We're in the mid mid August timeframe right now, but just earlier this week, we saw the Senate pass a very influential and, and something we're very optimistic about in the context of a bipartisan infrastructure package, which will include, if it moves through the, the House and, and continues to, to move forward, it will include additional funding for the Bureau of Reclamation and for our sister agencies to help implement some of our drought relief programs. And I construe our drought relief programs very broadly. We do have you know, very specific programs that are targeted to respond directly to communities that need specific help, like drilling a backup well, a groundwater supply that can help supplement uh, reduced surface water situations. We have also authorities that we can put into place very quickly for helping to increase efficiency in the surface water deliveries. But we also have innovative programs that we're working on, such as water recycling efforts. And I'm excited about the potential new authority that the infrastructure package includes for, for large-scale water recycling efforts. Because I think you know, one of the things I would really emphasize you know, the strip, one of the strategies that we have to have in place if we are going to continue to see reduced. Uh, precipitation and reduce snow in the system, we're going to have to rely on the ability to, to use less water. And one of the ways we can make the water that we have go even further is to do more of the water recycling programs. So those are, those are some of the things off the top of my head that I would mention for sure. That's quite fascinating, Tony. <laughs> Very good to hear about those uh, potential programs moving forward. And are there any lessons learned from your experience as the executive director of the Colorado River Board of California that assist with the water crisis management at the federal level? Uh, great question. And yes, maybe I'll just take a little opportunity to say I'm very grateful for having had a broad range of experience in my career, generally focused on some of the same subjects of trying to help folks manage water and primarily Western-based focus to my career. And one of the highlights was my service as the executive director for the Colorado River Board in California. And the Colorado River Board is a state entity that, that represents the state of California on Colorado River issues. And the board members are representatives of the actual water users in California. So they're some of the largest agricultural and municipal water users in the state and actually in the in the country itself who um, rely on Colorado River water as one of their key sources of supply to meet the needs in their communities. And I think your question was was kind of lessons learned from that experience. And I can think of two right off the top, which are one, the need to, to really work to try to find common ground among a diverse group of entities for a greater good. And I think in the California context, there are tensions that exist between municipal suppliers and in agricultural suppliers, but at its heart, the Colorado River provides a context for us to be able to, to work together and try to 
look for programs that will benefit both agricultural users and municipal users. And um, of course, the environmental needs that we must keep in mind as well. So that need to try to really roll up our sleeves and, and work, look for collaborative solutions that provide multiple benefits is, is a really big lesson. And that's something that I definitely have continued to focus on as I've come into the job at the Department of the Interior. Tanya, I can tell that the Department of the Interior is very lucky to have your skill set with all the experience that you've had in this area. And we've been talking about the Bureau of Reclamation work, but now let's talk about the U.S. Geological Survey work, which you also lead. Our listeners may not know that the survey is the sole science agency for the Interior Department and that the scientists there study the landscape of the United States, the natural resources we rely on, like water, energy, and minerals, and the natural hazards that threaten lives and livelihoods. This work spans the disciplines of biology, geography, geology, hydrology, and it evaluates the health of our ecosystems and the environment and the impacts of climate and land use change. The scientists are tasked with developing new methods and new tools to supply timely, relevant, and useful information about the earth and its processes. And that's all under the motto of science for a changing world. What are some of your priorities for the survey, including uh, projects that may help address climate change? Thank you, Catherine, for, for bringing up the USGS work. It is an amazing bureau, and I learn something new every day from my interactions with the scientists and the, the dedicated folks at the USGS I think you you highlighted their important role with respect to climate change, and they are very actively engaged in several different layers of of discussion that are going on across our our nation. I'll maybe point out two two examples. One is the important role that USGS plays with its climate science centers, which are centers that are spread around the country. They emphasize the collaborative role, again, with our non-federal partners, many times with various educational institutions, colleges, or, or research institutions in various locations, and really allows us to make sure we are being responsive to particular issues that might be affecting one region but not another, or to really emphasize the, the special role or unique skills that exist in, in one particular area. So those climate science centers are something I would direct folks' attention to. In addition, the scientists at USGS are working on the very highest level of discussions in, in advanced technology research development that will help us get through the changes ahead. They are engaged with the national level of discussions led by the White House and are active in, in literally every type of work group that's going on right now. And it's not just national, it's also at the international level as well. Bringing it back down to, to work on the ground, you know, the, the scientists that are engaged in monitoring and measuring changes that are happening on a cyclical basis are invaluable. That, that basic data is essential to ensuring that we can develop you know, sound policies and have 
solutions that are going to be based in the sound science that they produce every day on a daily basis. I'm very grateful for being able to coordinate with them on on their efforts with respect to the climate change impacts, but also just everything that they have going on in lots of different places. It's incredibly impressive to hear about the diversity of efforts from the survey. And I understand that they're not just regional, national, and international, but that they have a space presence now. And one of the most (laughs) exciting projects is the launch of the Landsat 9 satellite, where the survey collaborated with NASA to collect remotely sensed imagery of the Earth's surface which seems like a very important project given climate change. How do stakeholders use this Landsat data? I understand it can be applied for agriculture, forestry, public safety, climate research, natural disaster management. What what do you think uh, will happen with this data? Thanks a lot for bringing up the Landsat program. And I I have regular updates from the Landsat team, um, most recently as yesterday morning and They are all very, very excited about the launch of the Landsat 9 satellite, which is scheduled for about a month from now in September. And the critical reason to have a new satellite launched is that it will provide very essential continuity to the program so that the data can continue without any interruptions. And I know your question was about, you know, talking about the types of of uses that the Landsat program provides, and you you hit on several of them. I mean, agricultural uses and, and measuring how crop patterns may be changing over time, or how things are looking at a particular point in time, is a critical service that the Landsat program provides. But also back to that, what I mentioned earlier in the climate change context just measuring the changes that have occurred, for example, in coastal communities that are impacted by climate change in areas that have had wildfire impacts. That is something that there is a a very strong emphasis on the science related to the science needs and the science products that we can develop to help be able to respond and and provide assistance to communities that are impacted by by wildfire and be able to track how the environment has changed as a result of the wildfire. But I wanted to also mention a fun element, which is a program called Earth as Art. And that is something that literally features some amazing Landsat photos, some Landsat captures that are featured in art installations and just really demonstrates the broad value that that program can provide. I'm going to have to check out Earth as Art because that sounds fascinating. I also hear that Interior has a great Instagram. Uh, What are some of your favorite highlights on on the Instagram for the department? Well, just sticking with the Landsat program for a minute, I I forgot to mention a couple of fun things. Um, They have a great uh, Instagram post relating to this upcoming launch, and I Again, it'll be fun to to watch that move forward as things progress. But there's also a fun partner group called the Ladies of Landsat, and they have a fun Instagram post as well. You know, I think USGS and really the Department of the Interior as well, but USGS does a good job with respect to their public communications and their public outreach and the Instagram is one of the tools that they have used. It's everything from highlighting their 
daily measurement activities in different places, their drought programs. There was an amazing graphic presentation of the impacts of the California drought that came out recently. The one thing I I did want to acknowledge that they're doing, which is fun, which is highlighting professional backgrounds of some of the current employees and allowing them to tell their stories. I know in the stream gauging context, they have really good background profiles that allow people to tell their story and explain why they why they like their jobs, which is always fun to hear about. So lots, lots of amazing information that's publicly available. And they're they're happy to share all of the fun projects that they're continue to work on. That's great. And we certainly look forward to looking at the Instagram and the ladies of Landsat sounds most interesting as well. Thank you, Tanya. It's clear from what you have shared with us that you are passionate about working with stakeholders from every profession to address natural resource issues and fight climate change. How has your career path led you to your current position? Thanks for that question. And I I think I'll just start out with a word of gratitude that I think my my whole career, and again, I'm a, a water lawyer by profession, my whole career has benefited from some tremendous mentoring. And, um, you know, I've had incredible people to work with, starting with my first job uh, as a lawyer in a small firm in Santa Fe, New Mexico, being able to work with some really talented and effective attorneys, uh, but who are also, you know, generous people who helped me advance in in my career. And then I also had the opportunity to work transition from private practice over to to public service, where I've essentially uh, stayed in the public service realm for probably around the order of 20 years now or so, and have worked in a variety of different jobs for state government with the state of New Mexico and with the U.S. Congress working for New Mexico's Senator Jeff Bingaman when he was the chairman of the Energy and Natural Resources Committee in the Senate. Maybe one thing I just want to highlight that has been a common theme through those various jobs has been the ability to work closely with tribal partners, and that's something that continues to be a very strong focus for me personally and for our work at the Department of the Interior. But in particular, I I was able to work on some of the Indian water rights settlements projects from a New Mexico perspective, wearing a lot of different hats. And it's something that I continue to feel very passionately about as you you started with. I'll, I'll call out maybe just a couple, the Navajo Gallup project in New Mexico and the Navajo Indian Water Rights Settlement Project in New Mexico is something that I worked on when it was in the process of being negotiated and the terms were being negotiated. I helped to work on that when it was going through Congress and working with Senator Bingaman's staff on getting that ready for introduction and then helping to shepherd it as it did go through the Senate and in the House. And then also uh, with respect to the federal role and the Bureau of Reclamation and Department of Interior's role in actually constructing the project that was authorized with the settlement, which is a, a pipeline that will bring water from uh, the San Juan Basin in New Mexico down to tribal communities and uh, the city of Gallup in New Mexico 
And those those tribal communities are areas where even, you know, in today's world, we have folks that don't have drinking water. They don't have running water in their homes. So making sure we can help meet the basic human water needs is something that I continue to to really focus on and just feel really fortunate to have been able to be working on some of these impactful projects over many, many years. Tanya, thank you so much for sharing that very crucial work that you've been continuing to work on. And we wonder, how did you handle some of the challenges along your career path that you encountered along the way? Well, I think that's still a work in progress. <laughs> I think there, you know, the issues relating to, to water and science are constantly impacted by the changing climate, which unfortunately we see is trending towards, towards hot and dry, which means that there's just continually going to be increased tensions and increased pressures surrounding those limited resources. But again, I, I feel very grateful and I feel very committed to continuing the, the concept of trying to work collaboratively with partners and to be able to really just persevere through difficult discussions and in difficult circumstances. One of the lessons I would share is trying to keep a sense of humor, keep a sense of optimism in place, even when tensions are high. The other key piece that I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge is just as a lawyer, I have always worked very closely with the technical experts that provide the real answers to some of these hard questions of how do we how do we get through difficult times and you know I've been fortunate to work with some amazing talented hydrologists climatologists biologists chemists geologists you name it all of the technical folks that intersect on these natural resource type of projects and programs are essential and something I would encourage anyone to just make sure to acknowledge that and also keep an open mind about ensuring that we get additional input from those important, you know, science-based teams that we have to work closely with. Tanya, you raised some really important issues of collaboration and communication across uh, all disciplines. Uh, and the sense of humor is definitely one that is needed in these challenging situations. You've mentioned that you were mentored early in your career, and I understand that you also mentor others. I understand that you brought your high school niece to your uh, Senate hearing. What do you think is a good approach to mentoring others in their career paths, especially those who might be focused on public service like yourself? Thank you, Catherine. As I've mentioned before, I, I feel really grateful for the mentoring that I have had. I've had great partners in all of the jobs that I've had, whether it be in state government and private practice or in federal government. And I really encourage the next generation to, to be open-minded about what some of the choices they are, are thinking about might be. I know for myself, I, I was able to, you know, I had to take pay cuts, for example, in some of the career choices that I made. But I think it's something if you can if you can manage that, it really provides an opportunity to do some expanded things and to to take some some creative paths that might not have other 
likewise been available. I think remembering that at our core, we're human beings and we need to be courteous and kind to each other and be mindful of treating others like we would like them to treat ourselves. Always, always thinking about the human side of, of our technical issues is something that resonates well and has been an important lesson for me to be thinking about. I am very encouraged by the by the new generation. The again, just reflecting on the technical expertise of the career folks that I'm working with now at the Bureau of Reclamation and the Department of the Interior. They are dedicated to their work. They are professionals and they are providing amazing work in fields that I'll never even pretend to fully fully understand um, and using modeling systems that I, I know I'll never be able to to master but I just you know I, I love the the team approach that we've been able to to work on and I encourage others to to do the same of really trying to think as broadly as possible about how to how to address some of the challenges that we are that we are going to be facing going forward. Tanya, frankly, that's inspirational, and I couldn't agree more with your philosophy. Thank you for sharing with us uh, how important it is to consider the human aspects of our work. I should add, and remember to have fun too. So, <laughs> if we can, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great tip. Thank you so much. Tanya, we want to thank you for talking with us today to share your outstanding projects at the Department of the Interior and your very influential career. You truly are making a difference in people's lives and in our planet's health. And we so appreciated learning how anyone who's interested might enter this fascinating field of practice. We want to thank you, Tanya, as well as the DC Bar, the Women's Bar Association of DC, and our listeners. And we invite you all to watch for our next Making a Difference podcast when we'll be talking with Alejandra Nunez, Deputy Assistant Administrator for Mobile Sources in the Office of Air and Radiation at the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you to our podcast sponsor, the Clio Cloud Conference. The Clio Cloud Conference is the legal industry's most highly anticipated and influential event, attracting thousands of legal professionals each year. The conference is designed to empower attendees with the tools they need to supercharge their practice and move the industry forward. Sign up for the 2021 conference happening virtually October 26th through 29th today.